we begin to read, I think it'll serve us all well to understand the setting. Uh, I didn't tell you this, baby, so just hold on and they can see the verse I'm about to read later. Uh, but we'll, uh, we'll get to this and you'll get to back it up and make sure I read it right towards the end. But I think it'll serve us all well to know the end the end of this setting before we begin to preach and even read the rest of it. So we're going to go to the book of John chapter 21 and verse 14. And this will be real clear what the setting is here unless there's some kind of way. Oh, you go. Okay, you got it there. John 21 and 14. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So before we preach and read the rest of this and and get into the teaching and the preaching tonight, I want us to realize that the last few days, everything we're about to read has been an emotional roller coaster. I mean, this has been quite a time leading up to verse 14. The previous week has been highs and lows. I mean, there's been some some days of, of, of thunder and lightning, and then there's been some days of screaming and drowning. And so uh, that is the setting. But I want to preach to you for a little bit on this thought. No time for retirement. No time for retirement. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that it is flawless, that it's perfect. It's powerful, that it is never changing, never weakening, never aging to a place of less than, but it's always fresh to our spirit. Your word, Lord, nothing replaces the time we spend in your word. And I just thank you for it. I ask you to move on me to speak your word. It's already anointed. I need you. Anoint every ear, every eye, every mind, every thought, every heart to see and hear and understand and respond to what your spirit is about to speak to us individually and as a whole. I give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory in your matchless and perfect name. Of Jesus Christ, we pray. Everybody, if you believe it, how about a good strong amen? Let's love him before we're seated. Come on, love him some kind of way. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God. You may be seated. You may be seated. We're going to go to the beginning of this chapter, and uh, we're going to read what what leads us up to the third time that the Lord ever reveals himself to his own disciples. John 21 and 1 says this, After these things, Jesus showed himself again 
to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. I want to explain the meaning of this. First of all, it says after these things, Jesus showed himself again. That is that third time that we read about in verse number 14. It is the third time. This is all one running together story. I just wanted you to see that it was just the third time since death, burial, and resurrection that they had laid their eyes on him at all. But what this means, this setting, is on this wise showed he himself. On this wise. It just means that Jesus showed himself to the disciples and here's how he went about it. On this wise. It was this way. It was through this information. It was through this appearing. On this wise. Verse number 2. There were together Simon Peter... And Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Uh, I want us to understand uh, a few things. Now that we know it's the third time, we, we know that he chose this kind of wisdom and this kind of a setting to appear to them again. But I want us to understand who are some of these men, who are some of the players, if you will, in this story, some of the characters in this setting. And it will help us to understand a whole lot. And it will also start to help us know why I ask who's at the very top of their uh, spiritual being or at uh, ever how I worded that and, and then who maybe still has a little rope to climb. Uh, but remember this is the third time the disciples have seen Jesus since his death, his burial and his resurrection. It's only been about five days now, maybe six, maybe four. But it's been about five days since Peter denied Christ. Three times he, he has uh, cursed and tried to make himself fit in. He went and hid himself in the darkness during the crucifixion. He denied knowing Christ at all. Denied ever being with any of Christ's people. No, I didn't run with them. This is one of the guys. And he's the main speaker that says, I'm, I'm going to go fishing. And everybody else says, we're going to go with you. And so, here it is. This is the same Simon Peter that... Uh, leading these guys that has denied Christ just a few days earlier. It, it's only been a week or so, maybe eight or nine days, depending on how you see it and how you read it and, and what theologian you understand with us not having a calendar of days on these particular events. But it's only been about a week since Peter got mad at a prayer meeting and pulled his sword out and, and cut the ear of Caiaphas' servant. Malchus cut his ear off. So think about this for a few moments. This is a guy who later we know what he's going to do in Acts 2. We know he's going to preach. We know he's going to be highly favored. We know he's going to preach down the deliverance of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. 
I mean, we know these things are going to happen. But here is, uh, he's one of these characters, if you will, in this setting. There's another one there whose name is, is Thomas. And the word said that he's known as Didymus. And why is he known as Didymus? Because there's a meaning that was given to Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas because he said, Until I uh, touch the hands of the Lord and put my hand in his side and, and see the nail prints, I'll never believe that he's risen from the dead and because of this what was going on internally was exposed for the whole world to know. He earned a nickname all throughout his life called Didymus and when you read what that means it means twain. It means two in mind, double minded. Modern English means he was bipolar. He had an issue, a mental issue. One day he was on a high One day he was on a low. One day he was a great believer. One day he said, I'd never believe. One day he believed Christ could do anything. The next day he said, I'd have to see it. So it's pointed out to us who is in this setting. There's there's Peter, the one that's denied the Lord and and he's felt so ashamed and and surely by now he's starting to get his, his, his mind together maybe and then you have another guy who is at very least spiritually bipolar. The other first guy has gotten mad. He's spouted off. He's blown off into an anger situation and, and takes a sword out after being uh, corrected already on occasions before on how to behave and he cuts the this guy's ear off and the Lord has to perform a miracle on those that are about to crucify him. These are the people that the Lord presents himself to the third time. The other one is called Nathaniel, also known in Scripture as Bartholomew. He, he's solid as a rock. Matter of fact, he's considered to be the first Jewish Christian He's considered to be, after the Christian movement began, he's considered to be the first Jewish Christian in the history of the movement. Then you had James and John. They're not called by name. I just know who the sons of Zebedee were. And so they were, uh, they, they deserved a mention. And then the writer says here, John says, and uh, a couple of other disciples. So the setting is you've got one guy that's got anger issues, lying issues, scared issues, determined to try to fit in with the crowd issues. You got another guy that you never know who he's going to be when he wakes up. And then you got one that's pretty solid. You got a couple of more that they're just old bruiser fishermen and that's really what they want to do in life. And then some that Their name or who their family is or where they come from apparently does not deserve mention. Just there's a couple of more of them. There's a reason these were pointed out to us and it's because they weren't on a spiritual high all the time. The Lord reveals himself to people that are sometimes in trouble. Oh, I'm fixing to preach. I just feel it. Sometimes when we're not at our peak, when we're not at the pinnacle of our life or our ministry or our marriage or our parental skills or our pastoring or our teaching or singing, it's sometimes right then 
again, when we, when we get a spirit that comes over us that just starts to say, am I done? You know, will I, will I ever reach that again? Will I ever feel that accomplished again in my life? My, my ears are beat down. Anybody? And so you've got this group of men. Crazy enough, when Simon Peter, he says this as a quote, it doesn't really even make sense in modern English. Uh, we would be corrected by our English school teacher. Simon Peter said, and I quote, I go a fishing. Why did he say that? He said, I go a-fishing because if he says, I go fishing or I'm going fishing, that refers back to or denotes back to his profession. To go a-fishing is a Greek phrase that means I'm going to retire to something I enjoy. He wasn't going to work. He wasn't saying, I'm going back into industrial fishing. He said, I'm going to retire from all of this. I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to go do something I enjoy in life. I'm, I'm tired of the fight. I'm tired of the battle. I'm tired of the struggle. I'm tired of being beat down. I'm tired of being wrong. I'm tired of being corrected. I'm tired of being misunderstood. I'm just going to go fishing. I'm going to go back to doing something I enjoy. Instead of this whole fishers of men business. Oh my goodness. I want to preach to some people today. That are tempted. I feel it. That are tempted to retire. You're tempted. To just say you know what. I, I have fought this thing. I have tried to make a go out of it. I have worked so hard. To accomplish things in my life. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let the church carry the church. I'll be there on Sunday. And I'll be there on Wednesday. But the things the Lord called me to do. I'm just tired. I'm just tired. That's called burnout. And it happens to the best of us. And when we run into burnout, what we need is just a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. Here's the thing, though. We're not going to get it efficient. We're going to get it rededicated, repurposed, nose in the Word, Facing the carpet, tears flowing over myself. There's too many churches that could be in revival today, and I can tell you there's a good one coming right here that's greater than any of the first few waves we've had in the last 10 years. I, I believe there's a tsunami coming, and I believe in part because hell recognizes it and would do all he could do to cause you to want to just say, hey, I'm just going to retire. 
The Lord confirmed what I'm about to preach to you today and yesterday and the day before in succession of days, different phone calls and different conversations. And the Lord said, you're right on track. You remind them if they retire, they'll catch nothing. If they go back to trying to do what they used to do, they'll never survive. It'll be a long, dark, cold night when we decide to retire from the call of the Almighty God. Hey, somebody listen to me preach right now. I know it's frustrating. I know it's tempting sometimes when we go to the altar and pray for the same old people over and over. When we teach Bible studies and it seems like it doesn't go far. When we try to launch new ministries and it seems like there's more confusion than there is answers. Nothing's free. You always got to fight hell to get to heaven. And what we got to do is make sure in our heart that we don't retire. We don't go efficient. And go back to something that we enjoy. If you're going to go to heaven, you're going to have to stay in forward motion. I'm going to be square with some of you right now. After 22 funerals, I'm going to say it like it is. And we've been on death watch, it feels, since Sunday for a very close member of my wife. Our suitcase is already ready. She was supposed to pass Monday. It didn't happen. She was supposed to pass Tuesday. It didn't happen. We're not wishing for her. We'd like to see a miracle. She's a victim of multiple strokes and has lived for God her life and is ready to go and earn her reward. But we've just been sitting and waiting on the call to go to Louisiana. But I know what's going on now. The Lord said there's going to be some people sitting on the pew on Wednesday night that would like to retire. And you know what you have felt? And you can preach to them with honesty and openness and integrity. I want to preach to you right now. There's been a lot of times... A lot of times, I prayed the same prayer for so many people. And I prayed, I've said lots of times, God, I need a win. I just need one win. I prayed, Lord, I just need one to be baptized. Lord, I just need one to act like they're right. And hell to say, what you ought to do is you ought to just pick up you ought to go to some old established church. They can give you about 60000 a year and a car to drive and a house to live in and retire. I'm 25 years in, folks. I can retire tomorrow. But I'm going to tell you something. What would happen is the first night into retirement would be a long, dark, cold night where I would achieve absolutely nothing. Come on, I know some of you. I've been dealing with you. I've been talking to you in all kind of ministries. Frustration might as well be tattooed on your head. You can sit there through the service or you can get up and say you're preaching to me and get yourself a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost and come up and don't try to retire. If you retire, you'll pull in empty nets. You'll lose your lure. You'll flip your boat. You'll be lost in retirement. There's no time for it. Woo! Well, we've been trying. I want everybody that's going to do ministry with me to understand something. I told somebody this yesterday or the day before. 
I'm slow to pull the trigger on anything. Well, I thought we were going to do that. Well, we were. And we are. But thank God we didn't. I don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, I think that would be a good decision. Hey, you want to lead this ministry? That's a good way to destroy your church. Your congregation. You, you got to think things through. You got to be slow. You got, you got to be on purpose. You got to be deliberate. I pastor deliberate. I don't try to preach circumstantial and situational. It just so happens that there's a few folks this week that have reached out to me. More than one, more than two, more than three. I said with some this week that were bawling uncontrollably because they're frustrated. Not with me, not with you, not with God, but because they don't feel like they can get back. I'm going to tell you how you get back. You say, God, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to eat your word. I'm going to breathe your word. I'm going to drink your word. I'm going to live your word. I'm going to be so deeply involved. I'm going to bury myself in it. I'm going to bury my double-minded head. I'm going to bury my anger. I'm going to bury not knowing what's coming next. I will not retire because there's no time for retirement. What's crazy is Peter had enough clout with the group that when he said, I'm going to go a fishing, they understood what he meant. We're going to go hang out for the evening. What'd you do when you used to fish? Me and the guys would go out and have a few brewskis. We were just old fishermen, you know. The words mean to retire to something of comfort that I once loved. He didn't say I'm fixing to go back to work. He said I'm fixing to go back to play. Hell would try to encourage every single one of us to go back to play. No, I'm not. I'm not no, I'm going to tell you what just happened. The anchor just caught a rock, and we're going to stay right here for a minute. Hell would try to encourage every man, every woman, every young person in that building, every child in that building to go back to playing. So here's what happens. Verse 4. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. They've been walking with him three and a half years. He's shown himself now two times. This is the third time. He's on the shore. They know who, they know there's a person there. They just don't know who it is. I'm gonna tell you what happens. As soon as you go back to playing, you don't recognize the appearance or the voice of Jesus any longer. It don't take a month, it don't take a year, it don't take a lifetime. It takes one night of playing to cause us to lose our vision for our... One night of playing can cause me to lose my vision for an eternal ministry. But we're going to give it to these guys. There's a lot of emotion 
That's why I read verse 14 to you first. There's a lot of emotion. The cast of characters, I understand what all they've gone through. They felt like Jesus drug them out of their, their old ways. Looking back, they would all say thank you. On the day of Pentecost, they would all be appreciative. I want to tell you something, folks. If you judge what God's called you to do on your last moment in that ministry, you'll retire too early. You know, I'd make a good saint. I would. I'd stand and preach. I'd help the preacher. I'd take up the offering. I'd mow the yard. I'd trim the trees. I'd pay my tithes. I'd give him an attaboy when he walked off the platform and I could see dejection on his face. But I'm going to tell you something. The Holy Ghost in me says, boy, you don't have no time to retire. The revival that you were promised, you have yet to experience. If God made you a promise, what foolishness are you involved in wanting to go retire? Somebody hear me. They didn't even know who Jesus was. I understand you've been through ups and downs. I understand the feelings of oppression and depression and, and being turned away and, and family members not appreciating you or understanding where you come from or where you're going or why you worship like you do or why you wound up with them crazy Pentecostals. I understand some of those things, but I'm going to tell you something. You don't have time to look back. You don't have time to walk back. You don't have time to go back. You don't have time you will forget who Jesus is I want to tell you something when Missy and I had the virus we had the virus we were home I think about 18 days I think we missed two Sundays and maybe three Wednesdays I forgot what day of the week it was I got to be totally honest with you. All I wanted to do was live. I wasn't worried about no revival. Building no building. You know what I noticed? Last week I walked in and for the first time in a while it clicked. Our building plans used to sit out here on an easel. And somebody put them in the back to make walking room. We're going to hide our dreams for walking space. Y'all don't know what I'm feeling right now. Because I know what it feels like to be slapped and kicked and kicked when you're down. For all those days, all I wanted to do was live. And when it was done, I said, you know what? They had great church without me. I, I'm betting they could go on without me. And something said, hey. I don't ever have to have you. But you got to have me. Some said, yeah, I can replace you in a moment. I can do without you. I can have a better orator. I can have a better singer. I can have a better musician. I can have a better leader. I can do it. I'm not a respecter of persons. I can drag somebody off the street and cause them to be better than you ever thought about being in one day.
Come on. I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was a, a group called The Outfield. They didn't do too many great songs, but they done one that I always enjoyed. And it said, it's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. Folks, if you've been keeping up with the news, and I know every time there's a skirmish overseas, every preacher gets in the pulpit and says, Jesus is coming soon. But I don't know if it was them or not. It was just a gamble. Hey, somebody hear me right now. The things that used to be in the closet... are now front and center. And see, some of us are so narrow-minded, we can only think of one or two things. Folks, you need to take a look at this world. It's not hidden anymore that an entire region wants to destroy one little nation. And that their leader and their supreme leader says, we found their weakness. And we're going to prove it over the next few days. You know what's going to happen over the next few days if they try to prove it? The same thing that happens every time they try to prove it. But I'm going to tell you something. All of these things are the signs of the times. And if you've ever been ready, you better come out of retirement, screw your head around right, and go the right direction and get over your own opinion. I'm going to challenge everybody in this place and everybody that can hear me. Find a way to get to church no matter what. The Bible says forsake not the assembling of yourselves. We shouldn't be retiring our church attendance at this point in life. We shouldn't be retiring. No time for retirement. I go a fishing. I go a, I go a. I go, where is it that you're going when he called you into this marvelous light? What is it that you're going to go back to? Some's going to go a-dancing. Some's going to go a-drinking. Some's going to go a-flirting. Some's going to go a-tinkering. Some's going to go a-doping. Some's going to go a-worldy. Sad enough, some's going to go a-hell. I'm going to tell you how we avoid that. We don't retire. We say there's fields that have yet. Woo! There's men, there's women, there's children, there's friends, there's enemies, there's people that need my testimony. Don't give anybody the right to say, I knew it was just a matter of time until they faltered. I knew it was just a little bit and that wouldn't work out. Folks, not on my watch, not on your watch. We're not going to go a-fishing and forget who Jesus is, how he looks and how he walks and how he talks and how he presents himself. I know your husband's not living for God. I know your wife's not living for God. I know your family's challenged. I know they've been bound by addiction. Some are imprisoned. What do you do now? You definitely don't retire.
Watch this. I can. There, there's sorry. How, how long have I been preaching? I didn't set my timer. Just remember, you said that. I'm really asking for the time. Does anybody know what time I started? That's wonderful. We're 20 minutes in. 40 in? No way. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? Watch this. So Jesus is standing here on the shore. They don't even recognize him. And he calls all these brute fishermen. You know, uh, James and John's daddy's name was Zebedee. Zebedee means he walked with weight, size, and authority. And you could hear his foot hit the ground. He was a hoss. So I'm going to submit to you just, just plain old genetics 101. These are pretty big old boys. If daddy's name was, that's why they call them sons of thunder. When he walked, it went boom, boom, boom. That was Zebedee. James and John was his boys. And they were there. And Jesus said, have you caught any fish, children? It's not what he said. He said, have you any meat? They answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fishes. Some would say, see, their faith kicked in. No, it didn't. They didn't even know who was talking to them. They had gotten so low in their retirement and former professional fishermen, they were willing to listen to anybody that call them kids. Folks, when you lose your vision of who Jesus is, you'll follow anything. Because if there's a void, something or somebody will fill. You will be full. You won't leave this world empty. Ooh. Jesus said to them, children, have you any meat? And they said to him, cast the nets on the right side. They were unable, were not able to draw off the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, John is writing this. He always refers to himself as the one that Jesus loves. He says, the one that Jesus loves saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. This is a common practice. They just got a little undergarment on. It's a bunch of guys out fishing. Don't want to get their clothes wet. He realizes who the Lord is. He throws his robe on, his land clothes, and bails out into the ocean. Watch. cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were, 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid their own and bread. When you get back to working and come out of retirement, and realize who Jesus is, the thing you went after will already be in front of you prepared. I 
I'm going to go a fishing. Why would you do that when you can have a buffet right here for nothing just by realizing who Jesus is? I want somebody to hear me right now. The thing you're wanting to go back to that could be filled up and you could be so emotionally high and so spiritually complete that what you thought you were going after you'd find on a coal of Holy Ghost fire at an old-fashioned altar of repentance and restoration of your soul. Why do you want to fish all night for what's already cooked on the bank? Sister Beckham, I'm done. It's his fault. Now the Lord's winding me down right here. Watch this. They saw a fire of coals there. And fish laid their own and bread. Now I don't know if the Lord had one of those buy one get one free fire starters. I mean, I don't know if he ran around with a flint rock. And a, and a camping skillet. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how deep Coleman was into its production by then. You know, I don't know. He might have just walked up to the beach and said, Burn, baby, burn. Reached over and grabbed a piece of slate and blew it off and set it on the fire. Said, Here, little fishy caused the scales to fall off and threw it right there. I don't know. But I'm going to present to you that Jesus always took things the right way. When he gave his life, he gave it. When he came into this world as a king, he came through nature and as a child and went through all of those things. I'm going to say Jesus knew where to fish. And Jesus knew how to start a fire. And Jesus put it all together in a natural way. I think he paid the price. If he's fishing, what are you doing? If he's cooking, what are you doing? I started to tell somebody the other night, and I didn't. I started to say, would you just go to sleep? Somebody's trying to minister to because he'll be up all night. I did tell somebody I loved, and I put a LOL after it. I said, hey, I'm praying for you. I love you. Take two aspirin. Call me back in the morning. I really did. It was late. They were apologizing. I'm so sorry, Pastor, for reaching out. Reaching out. I said, hey, I love you. It's going to be all right. I'm praying for you. Take two aspirin. Call me in the morning. They didn't call. So I guess it all worked out. They're here tonight. And they love me as much today as they did that day. Hey, I just want you to understand that I believe the Lord was real with these guys. He wasn't trying to put on no show. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which you, which you have now caught. That's, that's verse 10. And 11 says, Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land. He's the one that just bailed out in his land robe and swam 200 cubits to the land. 
in his robe. It's one of the reasons they didn't fish in their robe because you couldn't swim in your robe. It's a modern day life jacket. Don't get caught swimming in it. Simon Peter went up. He's already met the Lord. He's already seen the fire. He's already seen the fishes. He goes up and he draws in the fish. 153 fish. What are they going to do with them? They weren't fishing to make money. They were fishing in retirement. He's just showing them who he is. You go for minna, I'll fill you full of bass. Come on. And there were so many, yet was not the net broken. That's a beautiful thing that said, come on, singers, the net didn't break. But I like better yet what's not said right there. What's not said? That net shouldn't have held 153 great fish. What is not said, it says the net was not broken. Was not the net broken. So we do a little reverse English on that. And in the spirit of being genuine, and balance, it's kind of like if, if Job's wife said, curse God and die, you can bless him and live. Well, if the net didn't break, he said that for a reason. It wasn't just wasting a mouthful of words. The net should not have held 153 fish. So here's the Lord doing multiple miracles. But the greatest point he's making is, boys, just because I hadn't sent my spirit back yet, the day of Pentecost hadn't come, it don't mean that you're allowed to retire. Now he's going to speak to you and I as individuals and us as a church corporately. Just because the trumpet hadn't sound, we hadn't ascended into the seventh heaven, we hadn't achieved, we're still having some battles, don't give us the right to say, you know what, I'm so over it. I want every person in this building and those seven that we counted you can help us it'll be fine because you may not need it tonight but I can promise you the day's coming soon when hell will whisper in your ear just go back to the fun to the rest of us and I say us I'm in the group That know we're not at our at our best, at our pinnacle, at, at the greatest we've ever been, or felt like we were, or perceived ourselves. We feel like we've been kicked down a time or two. Everybody, everybody but those seven, unless those seven want to help us, ought to stand. You ought to stand. That's all. I'm, I'm not going to ask you to the altar. That's that's going to be your decision. 
Here's what I'm going to tell you, though. There's a coal of fire that always burns at an altar. It's always burning. But I don't need to repent, Pastor. Nobody said you did. I don't need to be restored, Pastor. Nobody said you did. But I can promise you this. If you're so, if you're so full, you're flowing over. You ought to have some of your friends by the hand and bring them to the front. And to the rest of us, we ought to be trying to achieve a topping off. Because when the Holy Ghost flows out from us, that's when there's clear evidence. So now I'm going to tell you, God didn't bring you to this day and this time to retire. He didn't bring you to this day and this time to go back and do the things you used to do. He didn't call you here to get frustrated and get your feelings hurt. Get your mind messed up. Get to worrying about who's who and what's what. What she thinks about him and he thinks about her. All that will come out of the wash. What I got to do is make sure every time I come off of life's battles, I can recognize Jesus. I can recognize his hand and I can recognize his shadow. And I can recognize his voice and I can recognize his calling. And I can enjoy his feast. I wanted to sing, and I just wish all over this building, go ahead and sing. Go ahead right now, quick as you can. 